This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, hari mai, kiora tanakwe, Free FM 89.0, independent community media, Bruce Scott, Mel Driscoll, and a cast of thousands coming in through the afternoon, through now and two o'clock. Well, it is November 27, 2022. 3.31, 48 days to go before Christmas. Later, we talk, when is an anniversary not an anniversary? What famous building in Hamilton is celebrating its 60th birthday this month? I'm older than the, this particular building because I, at the same year, I started Kaipaki Primary School as a five-year-old. So that's how old it is. We'll tell you more shortly. Well... It is 1942, 80 years ago today. The French fleet at Toulon at anchor scuttled on the orders of the French government rather than fall into the hands of the enemy. 72 vessels lost, some marines escaped to French North Africa. And in 1942, Glenn Miller was on the charts with Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with Nobody Else But Me. Be 
89.0 Independent Community Media. This is Cosmopolitan News and Views. That's Glenn Miller Orchestra. And Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, recorded in 1942. Well, 1925, 97 years ago today, comedian Ernie Wise was born in Leeds. His future performing partner would be Eric Morecambe. When they first met in 1940, their double act began the following year. As a Bevan boy, Wise worked in the coal mines in World War II. The partnership resumed to films and television through the 50s, 60s and 70s. And we also remember those television shows where Morecambe and Wise, they, uh, they had all those guests like Glenda Jackson. Well, Morecambe died in 1984 and Wise May 21, 1999. <laughs> Um, I don't know what is going on with that, so we'll just uh, shift CDs over. That was a noise I wasn't expecting. I was just hoping the uh, CD player was working. So we move on, and we remember Ernie Wise, who was born this day in 1925. And... um, Hopefully we'll uh, get uh, Ernie Wise to sing that uh, sound that I didn't like. It was pulling me off a bit. Anyway, here we go. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Bring me laughter all the while. In this world where we live, there should be more happiness. So much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow. Make me happy through the years. Never bring me any tears. Let your arms be as warm as the sun from up above. Bring me fun, bring me sunshine, bring me love. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Bring me laughter all the while. In this world where we live, there should be more happiness. So much joy you can give. To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring me Any tears Let your arms be as warm As the sun from up above Bring me fun Bring me sunshine Bring me love, sweet love Bring me 
fun. Bring me sunshine. Bring me Bring me sunshine. Well, not today. That is the sound of the late Eric Morecambe and Ernie Wise from 1969. Well, we were talking earlier about when is an anniversary, not an anniversary. And did you know that this month, especially November 17, 1962, and what is that uh, particular Anniversary. Well, it's this month, the birthday of the Founders Theatre. It opened November 17, 1962. Yes, 60 years ago this month. As I said in my preamble, I'm older than the Founders Theatre because I started primary school in 1962. The architects, White, Dezeal and Jenkins. The cost, £250,000. Um... It, uh, it was um, inspired by Coventry's Belgrade Theatre, the first civic theatre built uh, post-World War II. Well, the first international act of note that appeared at the Founders Theatre was Louis Armstrong, the jazz and blues great. March 20, 1963. On the night, there was tension. Satchmo's minder, Ira Mangle, said before... Armstrong went on stage that we need money. So it was organised by 1XH announcer Laurie Bork, who was on site that night. 1XH had been promoting the, um, the great, and he, um, 300,000, sorry, 300,000, sorry, 300 plus welcomed Satchmo to the Founders Theatre. The event ruined by a drunken member of Louis Armstrong's um, band, so, we remember Louis Armstrong, and we go back to 1928 when this was originally recorded. This is the late, great Satchmo, Louis Armstrong. Don't, 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 don't,
Yeah, that is the late great Louis Armstrong. That's from 1928, and that's the Baton Street Blues. As we remember the Founders Theatre, which was uh, opened this month back in 1962. Yes, an anniversary that hasn't gone noticed. Who ever forgot? And I would like to thank notes from friend of the show, Dr. Richard Swainson. I went into part of his story. I also would like to thank Margaret Evans, the former Mayor of Giving Information, and uh, other information from Audio Culture that these people uh, gave me on who appeared at the Founders Theatre. And hopefully over the next few weeks, we will give you some more Memories, and we're going to continue those memories very shortly. Good afternoon, Mel. Good afternoon, and it's our pleasure to welcome Margaret Crop. She chairs the Thames Heritage Network, which coordinates efforts to preserve the memories of the past in their historic town, where mining attracted many and still stirs up controversy. A memorial to an English explorer, too, we believe. Welcome, Margaret. Hello, there. Margaret, how's, how's things in Thames today? Well, it's a bit cloudy today, but we have, uh, we've had fine weather mixed with all sorts this week. We actually had the beach off here on Thursday, and it was a lovely day, so that was good. So Thames was built on gold mining? Yes. And also that spread to places like Waihee, etc., etc. So, so, um... So what's the Thames Heritage Network planning to do? Is, it, is there a big celebration coming up? Uh, no. Well, the Thames Heritage Network has been running for several years now. Um, it's just um, all the heritage sites in Thames thought it would be a good idea if we all got together on a regular basis, found out what each other's doing, and helped each other um, promote heritage in Thames, so that's what we've been doing ever since. Other than gold mining, is the legacy of Battle of Britain hero Sir Keith Park also being celebrated in Thames, because that was his birthplace? 
Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, there's there's a, uh, a memorial to him standing in town and also a replica of his aeroplane at the airfield. Yeah, no, because um, I've been doing some research on the Battle of Britain and... Um of course, all, all these military commanders were fighting. Him and him and Dowding were fighting over control of the RAF at the time. But um, his heritage is is well remembered in in both countries. Um, what else is happening in Thames? I haven't been to Thames for such a long time, but has Thames grown over the years? You next to the Coromandel, and of course that area has been struck by flooding in the last uh, couple of years. Yes, it does. It does get flooding, um, but we, we get through it. The roads are cleared and we carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, Thames has grown um, and the heritage sites are finding it busier now uh, with visitors coming to town. I think in the past a lot of people have driven through Thames to get to another destination on the Coromandel Peninsula, but they're now coming to realise that there is a lot of a huge history in Thames and um, it's great to see that they stop and have a look around some of the history here. And, and, and of course, I think the last time I was in Thames was so many years ago, it was the one-lane Corpu Bridge. Well, exactly. So now we've got the dear old one-lane bridge, which is standing beside the new one. <laughs> it's in the hands of the bridge, uh, bridge Trust, who open it on special occasions. Um, it's a Category 2, I think it is, listed structure. Um, so there's been many years um, toing and froing between NZTA and the friends of the building to, to bring it over out into the friends' hands so that we can open it up for the, you know, for the general public. And one day um, they hope to have it open all the time so that people can walk across at any time, day or night, and perhaps do some... Well, it, off it. But at the moment, it has to be um, manned when anyone crosses it. So, uh, um, yeah. Of, of, of course, of course, people ride on scooters these days, so when the Corpu Bridge is open, will it be open to scooters also? Oh, absolutely, yes. Scooters and walkers and um, pedal bikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, look, nothing, looking... Nothing that's I don't think allow, uh, anything that's motorised is allowed on it at this stage. I I hope not because um, because the Corpu Bridge, the old Corpu Bridge, has a, had a had a wooden base, so you've got to reserve, preserve its history. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, um, years ago uh, when the new bridge was built, there was talk of pulling down the old bridge, but of course there was an uproar about that because, <laughs> you know, what's the Mel, Mel, when was the last time you were in Thames? Oh, quite recently, really. I was interested to hear about the controversy that erupted over the memorial to the explorer, Captain James Cook, and the understanding that he went 14 miles up the Waiho River. It's hard to imagine a sailing vessel close to shore did they actually use the ship to penetrate? Uh, um, no, they came up by a smaller, uh, similar to what smaller. Yes. Hmm. Yes, the larger the the ship was anchored out further, but um, yeah, he came in in about seventeen sixty nine, and um, so there was a Christian 
mission here in the 1830s, and then the gold field was open in the um, in 1867 in Thames. So from there on, the population just gradually well, it it, it exploded actually at that time. In 1873, there was a population of about 18,000 people in Thames, and um, the local iwi were actually providing food for Aucklanders because Auckland was going through a bad patch at that time. So, yeah, we were quite important. I see. <laughs> you know, so, back then. is there evidence of much? Um, what's the best word? Uh, they weren't particularly known for law-abiding um, in their mode of life, sailors, miners. They had a certain reputation. <laughs> Has that been reflected in any way in the history of Thames? Um, I guess by the fact that there were quite a few hotels in Thames at that time. They haven't all um, lasted, but um, I guess there were there were people of all standing. I wouldn't say they were all um, rat bags. Definitely not. <laughs> ah, that was a um, yeah. I have I have got ancestors that were here in the mining days, and they certainly weren't rat bags. They were very hardworking people, from <laughs> my research, and I'm sure most New Zealanders would find the same. I, I... Um, we do have the treasury in Thames, which is a heritage research centre and they have a specially built archive building which, which keeps um, all the photographs and old documentation. I mean, anyone in New Zealand can send them uh, information if they have any on on this area and it will be stored there um, in the right conditions. So yep. they have a very valuable service there. Yep. You, you, you talk about the pubs in Thames at that time, so many pubs, but you also had to have brothels in Thames. So did you look into how many brothels were in Thames at the time too? No, I didn't. I haven't. No. I'm sure someone has, but I haven't got into that yet. I've, I've just been too busy researching. It must have um, been a male-dominated society, mining attracting people to a lifestyle that could hardly be called attractive in the getting of the gold. Yes, of course. Of course, it wasn't a very pleasant place to live, no. There was a lot of dirt and mud and men living in tents. No, it wouldn't have been very pleasant at all. In fact, I... Thank God I wasn't a woman in those days. Yeah, um, I recently saw a movie and I, I can, I can uh, look to see how many women did make sacrifices for their men folk or vice versa. Um, do you know how many doctors at the time the, uh, the town of Thames had? No, I don't actually, no. But um, I think they would have been kept well busy. When I look through papers past, I see... <coughs> all the different things that happened to people, um, you know, all sorts of things that we wouldn't even think about these days, including oh. falling down mine shafts, of course. And syphilis? Um, so the doctors would have been very busy. And syphilis? What's that? And syphilis? Oh, well, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, t today, Thames is, is a vibrant community. You're, which uh, council are you under these days? Where's Thames Coromandel District Council? Yeah, so you, you've got a new council and you've got a new mayor. So yeah. 
Are there plans in the future to um, bring people to Thames? Um, it's sad that you don't have your race meeting on at Christmas time anymore. So that's mm. that's what was one of the highlights going to Thames for the uh, for the trots and the and the uh, thoroughbred racing. But uh, what's happened to the Thames race course? Um, well, as far as I can see, it's just sitting there. Oh, I'm look. not quite sure if the council have any plans for it at the moment, but um, no, the Thames is going ahead. There's, there's going this new development starting at Kopu. Um, there's going to be uh, new berths, new walls, um, more service stations. You know, a lot is going to be built at Kopu. So. Um, we have a new business coming also between Kopu and Thames, and that's a, uh, a concrete wall, well, a company that builds concrete walls. <laughs> yeah. So they've moved here. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people from Auckland have also moved down here. I guess people from Auckland have moved everywhere. And, and you... And how's the local high school going? Because uh, you've got to keep you've got to keep the young people in Thames to help with the economy. Mm, yes, that's true. Well, I think we do our best in trying to keep them here. I do know that as they get older, some of them will go off to university, um, perhaps in Waikato uh, or Wellington. But um, I think Thames is a really nice community, and we can boast that we don't have any. <laughs> street lights at all so driving around Thames is quite easy and with, and, and with Christmas coming is there a plan to celebrate Christmas in Thames is there a Christmas tree going and got Christmas lights up uh, yes there's, a, there's a, a street in the main centre of town that's been closed off to traffic Mary Street um, the Santa Parade's going to be on the 17th and we have uh, Christmas carols at St James's Church um, on the night of the 16th. So, um, yeah, apart from that, I'm not sure what anyone else is doing. The peninsula is known to be very decided about conservation. In fact, people seem to fall between the two camps. Those who would rather forego opportunities for employment for the sake of preserving, if not pristine, environment, at least one that is not harmful, and others who say, no, exploit what we can while we're able. There's profits in it. It'll support us. What do you say? Uh, if exploiting means damaging our environment for uh, the rest of however long the youth has to live, well, then I say it's not good. I think the earth has been exploited well enough. And um, people have a point. When you, ex when you mine the land, you're obviously doing away with everything that was on top of that land. And I can see where they're coming from. I think it's very yeah. important to conserve. I, I, re I remember long ago that Thames had a car industry you built cars in Thames long ago. Well, Toyota factory is still here. Is and that what you're talking about? Yes, it is. Is it still in operation? Or? Yes, yes. That's, still going. 
Many of us are ignorant of that fact. We should yes. come and visit Thames. When's yes. the and also other uh, other uh, businesses still going since the gold mining days? It's ANG Price. Yes. And Reed Brothers Hardware. They've yeah. been going for over 150 years. Yes. So. I, th I think it was the Cable Price or um, organisation that was manufacturing cars and Thames all those years ago. Well, they used to manufacture a lot of the um, equipment for the gold mining. So oh, such a such a heritage! And yeah, one of these days we'll have to come over to Thames and visit your museum, and come and pay a visit to you. Yeah, well, there's more than one museum. There's quite a few, so you know you need to have a full day at least. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we, if we, you let us two DJs come into Thames? Oh, I think so, yes, <laughs> if you're going to spread the word about how, um, when how did, good Thames is for heritage attractions, absolutely. When did you become sensitive to history as something that you wanted to know about, for your own sake? Um, well, for, well, for many years now, I've been uh, interested in old buildings. I can't stand seeing them being pulled down I think they're part of our history they should be um, conserved and yeah. we should use them even you know for a modern day use but in there but keep the heritage there um, and I started helping with the Thames Heritage Festival oh, several years ago now and uh, it's gradually got to the point where I'm person of the network so um, I just like to see our heritage preserved doesn't matter what it is well we're, we're talking this afternoon in between the interviews of Hamilton's heritage with the founders 30 do you know it's 60 years old this month so yeah we've got to keep that heritage oh absolutely once you've done once you've done away with a building or any part of our heritage you can't get it back it's gone and um, I think it can be used as a draw card to a town. I know I love visiting heritage towns all over New Zealand and they are amazing. I just love going to them, as I'm sure a lot of other people do. So we must keep them and preserve them. Hey, congratulations to what you're doing in, in an old town called Thames. Gold mining, car manufacturing and, of course, the memory of Sir Keith Park. Keep it going. Yes, thank you. Margaret Crop. Chair of the Thames Heritage Network. Thank you for joining us on Free FM 89.0. I, I believe we've got Martin Gallagher coming on uh, before long, Mel. What's, what's Mel? Um, what's um, Martin going to be talking about? Well, we'll wait and see. <laughs> anyway, it is time to remember, the, as I said, the Founders Theatre. It is February 25, 1965. Kenny Ball and Acker Bilk were in town. Between them, Bilk and Ball had hits like Stranger on the Shore and Sukiyaki. On September 15, 1964, Bilk had actually appeared at the Embassy Theatre. The embassy, now demolished, would be supplanted by the founders. Well, in, 19, well, well, in 1963, Kenny Ball and his Jasmine did the instrumental version of a song you know well.
Kenny Ball and his Jasmine, and that is Suki Aki. Remember the vocal version by Japanese singer Kaiyu Sakamoto around the same time as we remember memories from the Founders Theatre, taking information from Margaret Evans, uh, Richard Swainson, and audio, um, audio Heritage and other sites that we did at the time. Well... It's like musical chairs in here right at this present moment. Afternoon, Dwayne. Yeah, good afternoon. What's coming up? Okay, talking about teams. Um, teams Toyota, they're still running. And um, a few years ago, I was working in teams, and um, we're also looking at the Thames Toyota plant. Yep. Well, because I had family connections with Thames in the form of my my uncle Wallace Watson, who had a business in Thames many, many, many years ago now. So that's my connection with Thames. So it's good to see that uh, some of these old companies are still going. Yes, uh, Wallace Corporated, um, they're still running in Thames. Uh, what, what does Wallace Corporation do in Thames? Uh, it's the big Epitor plant at Thames. Oh, good stuff. Okay, what else do you want to talk about? Um, yesterday afternoon there was a, um, a stabbing in Hamilton. Oh, in which part of the city? Uh, between Wintech Car Park and also Ward Street, straight across the road from Burger King. Yeah, I was in that area last yesterday afternoon when I was coming to the studio. There, there weren't uh, nothing was going on. It was just a normal Saturday afternoon. I know there was a, I think there was a wedding in the atrium last night. So, um, but it, it is sad that this country is coming to where it is. Yes, um, like when it actually happened, they immediately had the police there. Uh, yesterday afternoon they had the CIB, was still working um, last night with the investigations and that. They had photos taken. Um, the person had to go to work at a hospital um, with stab wounds. Um, so, yeah, so they were actually trying to track down the people who actually did it and... Um, yeah, so hopefully um, the police have got them. Yeah, no, talking to one of uh, Hamilton's uh, uh, streeties last night, he said, said that some 10-year-olds or 11-year-olds are being caught in the city carrying knives. So it, is this city getting dangerous? Yes. How do people protect themselves? Well, carry a baseball bat. No, no, you don't want to. That that breeds violence, Dwayne. Sorry, I I can't have that. Um, but I think the I think uh, our I think our council and police should get together and sort out this this major problem because we've got people wandering around the city, mental health issues. They should not be on the street at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, our council need to do need to pull finger. And um, get everything all up and running. You know, you see, like, even that, you know, they should have one uh, them to come out at night to see what goes on, instead of them sitting at home and think, and think, oh, yeah, okay, everything's going okay. Yeah, no, because uh, the previous night on Friday night, I, I was in town and kind of confronted by one of these... Um, well, I think he lives... He spends most of his time wandering around the streets on Friday and Saturday nights, and I told him to go home, and he got pretty shirty with me. So, um, 
you know who the p- person is. Yep, um, and, uh, you know, like, hey, you know, the police are doing their job, they're doing their job, okay? Yeah, you know, they, you, you they, need, they should tell them, go home or be arrested. You don't need... <coughs> you don't need um, that person to follow the police. Um, is <coughs> Even the episode, there was a fight outside the little Indian restaurant... Um, Friday night on Alexander Street. Yep, uh, the glass door got smashed. Um, the person uh, got tracked down by the police. Yep, there's a business in um, in Claudelands that I noticed coming on on the bus this morning. Uh, police officer were outside. I think a window was broken. I think it was a sweet shop um, coming into town. So hey, you guys, give your support to the police, but. Keep on to the council and put a submission into the council to say that you've got to look start looking after us. And yeah, I agree. And also that um, with the road works are going on at the moment, um, the Tristram Street and Bryce Street um, end up by the cricket grounds. The road has collapsed. That's why they got it coned off. You can't go through that way. It's all been. Uh, there's big cracks in the middle of the road and they've had guys out there doing the testing and yep. everything. So they had to shut the road and I think they're going to try and rip it all up and um, repack it. Oh, well, welcome to Hamilton Curie Curie Roa. Hey, thank you, Dwayne. It is 20 past one. Well, American country great Jimmy Rogers, son of Hank Snow, was here in 1965, toured with Terry Stafford, who had a hit with Suspicion, Dinah Lee, Do the Blue Beat, and comedy duo Lou and Simon. I like to be in America, plenty of speed in America, never get past in America, never come last in America. I've got a cover at Tamapa, saved up and bought him America. It's a beaten and battered old crock Since he tuned it, it's off the clock Tick-tock, clock Everyone goes in America A popular guy with his America Girls pupil rights in America Won't go to find America He planed down the head and he ground the plugs The filter was full of Maori bugs And tied on the bonnet with number eight wire He pushed the starter at court on fire The talk of the town is America Come for miles to see America McLaren and Brabham came from afar To go for a drive in America Try hitching a ride in America You'll get there much quicker no matter how far And soon you'll be buying America I like to be in America Plenty of speed in America Never get past in America Never come last in America La 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 la
Yeah, the late Lou and Simon and Marika, based, of course, on America from West Side Story. As we remember those stories from the Founders Theatre and who came to town in the 60s and 70s. And we'll continue this uh, over the next few weeks. Well, February 1965, Gene Pitney, Peter Poser, Barbara English, and a certain Jamaican singer were in town. Uh, Pitney, singer-songwriter in the 60s, popular New Zealand guitarist Peter Poser, and, of course, Molly Small, famous for one song in 1964. <laughs> The late Millie Small from Jamaica and my boy Lollipop. She, she was in the Founders Theatre back in 1965. You never know who turns up at the Founders during the 60s and uh, 70s. And next week we remember a particular stage show because it was being staged as the Jubilee production of the uh, Hamilton Operatic Society back in 1974. I was there, and we'll have more on that uh, next week. So more from the founders before we go at um, 2 o'clock this afternoon. I uh, did notice when doing the uh, research on who was here in town, a particular Phil Spector group was uh, in town during the 60s. I went by the name of the Crystals. It is 126. we 
groups who came to town in the 60s, the Crystals, Da Do Run Run. We don't know if Phil Spector came to town with them. So we'll find more from the founders' memories very, very shortly, Mel. Uh, an unexpected headline in the Times last month, nearly, no, only about a fortnight ago. Marauding dogs kill cat, bite man. The man's here. Dave's a musician, a guitar teacher, but his enjoyment of playing a guitar at risk of his fingers being disabled by a vicious dog, which somehow got into their backyard. That's not a, an experience you'd like to repeat, Dave. Uh, no, not really. Um, it, I mean, we're talking about sort of close to one o'clock in the morning when, when we heard the very distinctive uh, bellow of a dog and it was too close to be out on the street. Uh, confronted at the back door with this pit bull uh, with a white chest on it and with its stance in the backyard there we, we weren't aware at that point that he'd already killed our boy and uh, my first thought was um, grab my work boots on have some protection on the feet and try to just give it a fright and chase it down the driveway which has happened on occasion over the years of the odd dog wandering around and you give it a fright and it runs off uh, managed to get this one down onto my driveway and I've got a sort of about a 10 metre, 10 metre concrete driveway to the street and it just turned and, and faced me uh, in its most vicious form that you could get and teeth bearing, um, yep. just going to town and I had to think really, really quickly how to approach this and uh, had to be the dominant male over the top of the dog and that, that was my only thought at the time, never gave the cats a thought at that point. Uh, the, the removal of the dog was my um, first thought. Uh, it took me probably 15 minutes to back the dog down the driveway as it was lunging forward. Every time it did, I lunged forward and we inch by inch moved to the end of the driveway to the street. Uh, single dog, a very large pit bull, and then the second dog appeared from up the street which I firmly believe that it was like a father and son scenario. Um, the, the other dog was a younger dog and it came in behind and was behaving exactly the same as the main dog. Um, and at one point it lunged forward enough to uh, nip me on the thigh, which, which uh, bled quite badly for a little bit. Um, and another 10 minutes or so forcing it backwards in the middle of the street or the two of them down to the down to the main road and a neighbour of mine up the road uh, heard the commotion and came running down to help. Uh, we're talking about one o'clock by then in the morning and grabbed the neighbour's wheelie bin and rushed past me and just slam dunked the dog with the wheelie bin and chased it across um, the main road, Wada Wada Road, to the other side and then the two of them dispersed separately and ran in different directions and uh, the wife had already called, Nita had already called the police for the dog control and the guy was there within five minutes in his truck and he spent two hours hunting for the dogs in the Brimworth Park area to no avail so um, yes it was just a very uh, scary moment I yeah. think I had no fear at that point I, I believe I was so focused on removing of the dog and, and being dominant over the dog that I didn't sort of yeah. offer up any sense of, of uh, danger to myself and Thinking back now, it was some of it was a bit stupid, but the the aim was to chase the dog off, and yep. the dog was wanting to eat me. Um, so, the one one is the dominant killer, 
and the other one was the killer's apprenticeship. Dave Bruce here. I, I I'm looking at the Waikato Times. I see the bites. Yep. Do you know? Have you um, seen the owners of these two particular vicious mongrel dogs? No, I've, uh, there was no collars. Um, I was able to ascertain that with a street light. We were under the street light. Um, I didn't even have the torch in my hand at the time. We were under the street light. Um, no, no collars on either of the dogs. Um, this main one had, uh, when we found out later, had already done the kill in our backyard. Um, but we did find out the next day that the dogs had already been up our street uh, in a cul-de-sac street and tried to kill a neighbour's dog, a neighbour's cat, sorry. And she was able to squeeze through a little hole in the back of the shed where she lives and uh, escape that. And the sound that was made bashing and crashing yeah. on the garden shed, the yeah. lady thought her dog, her cat was gone, but the cat had managed to squeeze through. Yeah. And we did find out later the cat survived. I, I'm looking at the photo of your wife is carrying your beautiful uh, yeah. fat cat yeah, it's it's to. beautiful i love cats i hate these mongrel dogs you talk about is is your is your cat safe we're absolutely paranoid about it now because we do have two cats that little girl there is actually a survivor of the christchurch earthquake she oh, has one lovely. eye missing as you would notice in the photo yep she was sewn up and fixed up and a family member brought her up north and plus another big uh, ginger and white fluffy boy part Maine Kern. He came from the desperation of Christchurch earthquake as well. So we, we have those two and they're our treasured, treasured children and uh, we have to make sure they're inside now and I have a gate up between the house and the garage to make sure nothing can get into the backyard anymore. We never gave that aspect a thought before. The cats just had the freedom of the street and there's quite a few cats in our street. We're a short cul-de-sac street and a lot of people have, have cats. Are, they, are these dogs still on the run, do you know? Well, um, the, we've spoken to the dog control people um, on a reasonably regular basis and we did a report on it there a few days ago. Um, he believes from the article in the paper that whoever has them, and I believe they're together, they're a, like a father and son scenario, um, that he'll be have them well hidden. Yep. Uh, and my, my only hope in that respect that, that I mean they can't be allowed to be loose on the road if they, if they get out, out of wherever they're jammed in and they'll do it again, they'll roam wherever they came from um, and my only hope that there may be neighbours either side of the property where those dogs are kept that might have uh, the article may have jogged something in their mind to think well, I know where those two dogs are do you have gang members living on your street? No, no, no. We're, we're, we're probably lucky. We're, we're a very, very quiet street. We've had the odd occasional people flatting with noisy, fast cars, but um, apart from that, there's never been an issue in our street. You come across, if we may say so, Dave, yeah. as a courageous man, firstly, um, from a caring neighbourhood. This, if it had happened involving not a tall man, as you appear to be in relation to yeah. Nita, it, it could have uh, resulted in the death of a child. Well, it, yeah, the only thing is, like that hour of the morning, maybe you wouldn't expect for children to be out, but, uh, of course, but um, there's a lot of teenagers on the loose, um, you know, during the night, around and about, in places I, I cycle to work from my home, Dinsdale, to the top of Tear Up Australia every morning at about 4.30 in the morning, and see a lot of uh, out and abouters 
Um, so if there's dogs roaming and, the, and when you get one, you might be able to chase one off, get a fright and it'll run on. But if you get two together, the uh, pack mentality yeah. kicks in and then it's a whole different ball game, I believe. So these two dogs m- must eventually be apprehended. Yeah, because these these dogs, these pit bulls, they cannot be educated. And then, of course, some people do uh, cross them with other breeds and then yeah. you get more vicious dogs. I, w- I, would, I would definitely say, and, and I'm not a, not a dog person, haven't had dogs, I've always had cats, but uh, it was definitely a purebred pit bull male, um, black with the... But the stance, the, the attitude was there. Um, we have another family member used to have a, a pit bull, blue healer cross dog, and it had the power of a pit bull, but it was the most biggest sook blue healer cross part uh, you could ever get, and it was perfect around children yeah. and, and any environment whatsoever, but a pure pit bull. I, I, in a way, I sort of feel sorry for the dogs a wee bit because they didn't, they weren't born killers, um, I believe. The, the, they, I've known dogs of certain varieties yep. that, that are absolutely gorgeous animals to yep. be around people. Yep, I know. I, I grew up on a farm, so I, yep. I know about dogs. Just a warning that the sky is looking very, very black outside right at this moment, so just a warning that it may be very heavy rain before it, before this afternoon is out. So just a warning, yep. and I hope people bring in their washing now <laughs> because you may have washing going down your street. So, yes, it is going to rain this afternoon. Back to uh, the number. I've got a number here. If you know in, in, people in Dinsdale and they know about these dogs, please ring the Hamilton City Council's Animal Education and Control on 07838 Have the City Council Department been on to you um, to give you the latest information? Uh, well, uh, the dog control officer who was dealing with our case uh, promised that he would keep us up to date if there was any conclusion to this to this uh, situation. The, the, it is an open case. The, these dogs, he feels, definitely need to be found. But his belief is that because of the, the paper article that they're probably being confined somehow um, to um, you know, keep them at bay and not not, not have them loose. They so could they they could be anywhere in the uh, metropolis of Hamilton, Kiri Kiri Roa, right at this moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, we're off Wada Wada Road, which is uh, over a street over would be Brimworth Park area. They did disperse and disappear down two different streets, heading for the Brimworth Ave region uh, area over there, and yeah. they were barking, so they were both communicating yeah. with each other as they separated. Um, I, I don't know Dinsdale very well, but is there paddocks where sheep are grazing? No, no, we're, we're well and truly in, in domestic land. <laughs> um, so, but there is a, a large park, which is Bremworth Park, which is parallel runs uh, with, with Wada Wada Road, but one complete uh, block of street over. So they did, they did disperse. One ran down towards the Dinsdale shop and went up Poaka Ave. The other one shot up Leon Street, which they would have both connected to Brimworth Ave, uh, one street over. So possibly that was their origin in that in that area somewhere, but only people who are neighbours to where those dogs are could, could uh, comment on that, I think. Turning around two aggressive dogs of that breed, that's quite a feat for yourself, aided oh, well, by another neighbour. I honestly didn't uh, give it a, a thought because I thought at any point the dog was going to run 
uh, as other ones have. When you give them a bit of a fright, they wander in the street and off they go with the tail between the legs and, and run on wherever they're, they're doing the wander. But this thing, once it cleared my backyard, which is on a one in and one out uh, way, uh, it felt confident enough to turn and face me. Uh, and that was that was the, the turning point, so to speak. So I just had to be my most human aggressive self that, I've, that I'm not uh, and march the thing down the driveway yep. and it just would not not turn and run. It was uh, yep. definitely um, wanted to eat me. Yep. You know, and, yep. and it was getting wilder as I was confronting it instead of giving in to it as a, as a pack leader, I guess, the, you know, their victims give in. And, and they achieved their aims, but uh, I just kept stomping, yelling, screaming, uh, and marching it down the driveway. And each step back it took, I took a step forward. So um, I'm thinking back and running it through my head again after that. It could have gone totally wrong if the dog had decided that it was stronger willed than I was at that point and actually just made a, a, a straight out attack on me. With all the potential that, well, among other things, and it's not unimportant, yes. your hands, you're a musician. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that, that's just a sideline sort of thing. I work with my hands. I, I'm, I'm still full-time employed, and, and um, I'm in an industry that requires my hands to be 100%. Um, so I'm very hands-on in, in my place of work. So um, it could have, yeah, I had no weaponry, no whatsoever. Um, couple of old wooden cricket bats that I'd homemade for the children when they were young. They were in the garage, but that was behind locked door, so I had nothing other than my steel cap boots and and my rage until I got to my driveway, and there's been an orange road cone sitting in the neighbour's front garden there for a long time. Someone just left yep. it there. So I just immediately grabbed that and started using that as my shield on the street and I marched the dogs down until my next door neighbour neighbor up the road came down and gave me a help. When I got them to the main road, I honestly don't know what I was going to do next, where I was. I got them, we both got them to the main road and he shunted them with the wheelie bin, dispersed them across the double lanes of Wada Wada Road. Um, if he hadn't turned up, I really don't know how long this would yeah. have taken to uh, yeah. Yeah, get through it. Yeah, as Mel said, you're a musician. Oh, I'm um, just, yeah, I'm a weekend player. I'm just, yeah. Do you, we, we, we've been talking about the Founders Theatre today and its um, long history. It's 60 years old this month. Do you remember any concerts at the oh, Founders Theatre you may have attended? I uh, did a little, little River Band visit there uh, when John Mayle came to town. Oh. I'm a big fan, big blues fan and fan of John Mayle. Yeah. Uh, and went and saw his concert and got an album signed. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've had... And the daughter, one of the daughters has uh, had a graduation there for... For a, uh, a course, well, years I'm back. So yeah, Founders Theatre has, has been a place we've we've been part of for, for quite some years. A witness to all of this, Dave, was Nita. Is she there? Well, she, yeah, she was at, at the front door when when yeah, and she was screaming at me to sort of get inside because she didn't know what the dog was going to do to me. But I was oblivious to that. But yes, she's right here. She'll may we? Yes, hang on a Hello, Nita. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm looking at your photo with the with the cat in your hand there. It's a lovely big cat. I love them. Oh, yes. How, how are you feeling? And um, do you feel nervous? Are oh, you God, oh, yeah, every night. I, I mean, 
I'm not the only one. Everybody in the street that's got gates on their driveway keep them shut now yep. at night. Yep. And um, because most of the homes down here have, have cats, so... Do, yeah. do, do you and Dave have grandchildren? Yes, we do. And aren't you glad your grandchildren are not on site at the time? Oh, definitely, definitely. Did you have fears for, for well, Dave? Well, fears for anybody. I mean, they were vicious. They were nasty, vicious dogs. And, um, you know, even though it was the middle of the night, I mean, if they're out during the day, what could happen to a child? Yeah, um, if you're hearing a noise of knocking, it's um, we've got a very high vicious wind going in, around the city at the moment, and I think uh, some of the plants are knocking against the window, so that's, that's the sound you're hearing. Um, did, have you put out warnings to other residents on the street just to uh, just to watch out for these dogs? Well, everybody in the street know, yeah, knows about it now and are quite aware. Um, the lady who whose other cat went missing she, the cat returned after three days and um, she's got a security camera you know so she's been checking at night she said she's a bit paranoid now you know any noise she hears but um, we haven't seen anything she keeps her gate shut now yeah and um, yeah but you know at that hour of the night I just I just heard a dog barking and when I opened the door because I thought that's coming from the backyard. When I opened the door, the dog was just standing there with its legs apart, you know, snarling at me. And I thought, normally if you scare them, they run off, but it just stood its ground. It wasn't provoked in any way. Oh, no, no, no. Um, I, I don't know whether it was barking to get the other dog's attention, but at that stage we didn't know he'd killed the cat. You know, we, um, we were more worried about getting it off the property. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later we discovered the cat lying on the back lawn. I'm sad for people of Dinsdale, which is part of Hamilton. And as I chat to my colleagues here at Free FM, I'm fearing that Hamilton is becoming a very dangerous city to live in. I agree with you there, 100%. I mean, the dog control guy has been brilliant and I, I don't envy him his job. And, you know, they've been so busy lately with roaming dogs and, you know, I thought, God, he's got to collect them. He's got to catch them, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got a team that all work together to do it, but it's um, it's quite scary. Nita and Dave Stevenson, thanks for your time this afternoon. We're going to move on with a couple of more guests. Yep. But um, keep us informed. Keep, yes, Mel, we'll keep, keep, keep in touch with Mel just to... I, I want these vicious mongrel dogs off the street and um, okay, yeah. I, I will not, uh, I hope they, when they're found, destroyed. Well, they should be, because, I, you know, you're not going to change them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for your time this afternoon. Okay. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So, people out in Dinsdale, just watch out for these dogs, mongrels. Um, these, these sort of dogs should not be on the street. Jardy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? I am well. It's it's sad to have these stories about um, cats being killed by... You, you haven't got a cat, have you? Um, I sure a cat between my neighbours, so... <laughs> I, the, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you've come to talk about what? I've come to talk about the Glenbrook Vintage Railway yes. steam 
trains that will be running from the 9th to 11th of December and 16th to the 22nd of December 2022. And they'll be run by um, steam engine WW480. And they'll be running back and forth between Glumbrook and Pukiwaro. And they'll be running back and forth. And also it'll be done by a professional group of um, train specialists to set up the whole um, event. And it will be going on from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. And you'll be there yourself. I'll definitely be there. Not and for the first time. You have followed these rail offers of excursions and that, even if they're not in Hamilton. Mm, yes, definitely, because sometimes there'll only be one, one, um, one chance you'll ever get, so might, might as well try and see them the best we can. So, of course, seeing as this is the Christmas Christmas train, it's the first time to um, have special um, specialists doing it. Um, it will be very interesting. And there will also be lots of food stalls there handing out food. Um, Santa will be there seeing all the children and whatnot. And so you'll, say, you'll, you'll Santa's little helper. You've got a Santa hat coming? Um, maybe I will. Maybe. And down at the platform last night with the train that's the train of um, the Waikato called Te Tehuia was there with about six carriage units it seemed and twinkling lights they seem to be entering into the Christmas spirit on the train travel on Tehuia between here yes. and Auckland yeah. Hey, thank you and if we don't see you before Christmas we hope we will see you before Christmas um, what, do you, what do you want for Christmas? Well, um, I already pretty much have already got all my Christmas presents um, very early. I've got a book that I really want about Wellington Suburban Units. I've got my train rides on Glenbrook from la um, last time I went. And also down south, those are all my early, um, all my early um, Christmas gifts. So I'm very thankful for them and I'd like to say um, thank, thank you to my mum. Thank you, mum. Hamilton, we're going to get your mum on air one of these days. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hey, we we remembering the Founders Theatre today, guys. And June nineteen sixty five, Nina and Frederick were in town. They were married, but later divorced. Frederick died of gunshot wounds in nineteen sixty four, I believe. Nina is still alive, and she's age ninety. And they did a version of Peter Paul and Mary's Puff, the Magic Dragon. The magic dragon lived by the sea And frolicked in the autumn mist In a land called Honolulu. Little Jackie Paper loved that rascal puff And brought in strings and sealing wax And other fancy stuff Oh, Puff, the magic dragon Lived by the sea And frolicked in the autumn mist In a land called Honolulu. Puff, the magic dragon Lived by the sea And frolicked in the autumn mist In a land called Honolulu. Look out perched on Puff's gigantic tail 
Magic Dragon from Nina and Frederick there right at this moment because good afternoon to uh, Trevor, our correspondent, and looking at a photograph for uh, you. What, what are you going to talk about? About a um, walk bridge? It's a footbridge, apparently. It's in one of these local papers. And it's going over a traffic bridge of the Waimiri River. Mm-hmm. It's called the Peacock's uh, yes. suburb. Now, when I looked at that photo, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Why build a footbridge over a bridge when you can run a foot footpath underneath the bridge? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit Irish, isn't it? It, it is a bit Irish, but... Uh, now, who's paying for that? I think it's ratepayers are paying for it, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Now... It would save thousands of dollars if they just continued the footpath because there's a footpath each side of the bridge on the lawn area, so some sort of a reserve. Now, the foot, footpaths stop at each side of the uh, overhead traffic bridge and what do they do? They build a bridge over a bridge, meaning the footbridge going over the traffic bridge when they can run the footpath under the traffic bridge. Oh, it's it's just interesting how the brains of some of these designers um, uh, d- do work. But it's a crossway of money. Apparently, it's, it's sort of a married designer. Okay, I can accept it, or the, the, the intentions. And it's got these uh, posts of married carvings, what they have on the end of their canoes. Uh, but if they want to do that, they've got to put it on each side of the traffic bridge over uh, of, on each opposing sides of the river. And still have that uh, that theme, without having to build a a footbridge over a traffic bridge, where under the traffic bridge is all lawn. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you'd, you'd have to talk to some of the uh, some of the pointy heads in council about this. Oh, I think it's already under construction. The ball is yeah. the, the the boat has already sailed, as the saying goes. Anyway. Uh, in your time in Hamilton, did you ever go to the Founders Theatre for a show? I went to saw the Can Can, uh, one of my yep. first or second year I was in Hamilton in the late nineteen no- seventies, yep. and I was very impressed with the interior. Yeah, and the acoustics were incredible, and I thought, wow, this is really impressive. You know, yeah. I think even on an international scale, as far as inside goes. Anyway, we've got to let some people in for Harmony Waikato. Thanks, Trevor. And talking about the founders, U.S. Folk Group, the new Christian Minstrels, formed in 1961 by Randy Sparks in Hamilton, April 12, 1966. In New Zealand, they were met by Prime Minister Keith Holyoke, who was dressed in cowboy boots. (laughs) (laughs) Holyoke said to be a folk singer. Take that with a grain of salt. Now... The late great Kenny Rogers joined the new Christian Minstrels for a year in 1966. It's not known whether Kenny Rogers was with the uh, with the new Christian Minstrels here in Hamilton, but we do know that the new Christian Minstrels had a big hit in 1963, led by the great Barry Maguire. This is called Green Green. They have more memories of the founders next week. Green Green is Green Day. 
you cry when you say I'm gone. You know there ain't no woman gonna settle me down. I just gotta be traveling on. I'm singing. for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon head to patreon.com slash free fm 89 to find out more